welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. So we would say that we are a family of missionaries to the United States of America. Um, So that means we're primarily here to teach you to drink tea hot with a little bit of milk. Uh, Iced is terrible, you pour it away. So just turn to your neighbor and say, would you like a spot of tea in your best English accent? (laughs) And uh, the thing about being missionaries, so this is something we taught our boys, so our boys are... 20, 22, 24, 25, just about. Um, and the, by God's goodness, uh, they're, they're all really passionate for the Lord. But we've said to them all the way through, we are, we're called as a family of missionaries. Um, and here's the thing. The same is true for you. All of us are part of a family of missionaries, probably to the United States of America or wherever the Lord takes you. So whether you're single or married, whether you're part of a biological family or not, we're all part of God's family and all of us are called as missionaries. All of us are sent ones. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a sent one. That means that's, that pri- that's your primary identity. You belong to Jesus and because of that, he sends you. And today what we want to think about is this concept that uh, we are sent ones, but we don't just get sent alone. We get sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. So God goes with us and he empowers us, enables us to do extraordinary things for him. And as we do that, we will see amazing things happen, see God's kingdom advance. So let me tell you a little story uh, by way of illustration of that. So uh, uh, we used to live in Ohio. So when we first came to the States, we moved to Oklahoma City. We came for a bit of cross-cultural experience. It certainly was cross-cultural. Um, and then we moved to Northeast Ohio. We were there with, with a church for f- almost five years. And our local grocery store had a post office in it. So I was down there and I was dropping off a package. And there was a lady at the counter serving me. And, and we were very friendly. We were chatting. And my attention got drawn to the fact that she had like a big wrist brace on. And uh, just step out the story for a moment. One thing I've realized down the years is that the Holy Spirit draws our attention to things. And what we tend to do is go, oh, that's a distraction. And actually, it's the Holy Spirit. So I'll just take you back to the story. So this was a moment, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just drew my attention. So I said, oh, what's the matter with your wrist? And she said, oh, I've got carpal tunnel, and it's really straining, and I have to lift all these packages, and it's, I mean, it's, it's very painful. I said, are you in pain now? She said, yes, I'm in you know, a lot of pain. And so I said this, and so I stood there and she was chatting to me and I could hear the Holy Spirit saying to me, are you going to pray for her? And I was in, I was like, well, Lord, I'm in the grocery store. I don't really want to actually. And, <laughs> and then um, I was saying, so she's over the counter here and I look this way past all the checkout lines and I can see the store manager slowly walking this way. And I hear the Spirit say to me, by the way, you've got about 30 seconds. So, uh, so I look at her and I say, this might sound crazy, but I think Jesus likes to heal. Could I pray for your wrist? And she looks at me and she starts to well up. And she said, I would love you to pray for me. So I kind of lunged over the counter and pray, grabbed her wrist. And I prayed this really short prayer, something like, dear Jesus, uh, thank you that you love Sarah. Please, would you heal her wrist and show just how good and kind you are to her? Amen. And uh, we kind of finished the prayer and the manager walks up next to us. And she's really moved. And anyway, the interaction ends. 
The next day, I, I happened to go in to get some milk, and uh, I walk into the store. And I, as I'm walking in, I look across to the counter where she, where she, and she's there, and she's on the phone, and she sees me, and she's talking to someone on the phone, but she starts waving a hand at me, and she's mouthing, "It's better, it's better." So I go around, get the milk, go out to ch- and check it out, and go up to her, and um, she's off the phone, and, and I say, "Hey, what's happened?" She says, "My wrist is totally better. All the pain's gone. Uh, I don't need the brace anymore." She said, "What did you do?" And I said, said, well, I just prayed. I think, I think this is a sign that Jesus loves you. And, you know, and so we talk a bit more and end up saying, well, would you like to know more about Jesus? She said, yes, I would. And so she started coming to our church. Uh, about three months later, she got baptized and she became a full-on follower of Jesus. Just through a simple encounter where I just made, I mean, that prayer I said to you out loud, who couldn't do that? I mean, that's an easy prayer. It's not a special secret prayer. All right. So if you love Jesus... You can do these things. And we've seen this time after time after time that we follow a God who loves to do these things. And one of the things, I'll say one more thing, then let you go, um, is um, we, one of the things we, we love is uh, uh, we get to serve the wider church. So, so obviously we live here in Long Beach. Uh, we spent most of our time life leading churches, but last four years or so we've been uh, serving the wider church and we get to travel and experience different places. And you see all manner of the, of the glory of God's church. It's, it's lots of fun. But one of the things we love about coming home is we love being part of this church. And one of the wonderful things about Garden Church, about you all, uh, is there's a real openness and intentionality about pursuing God's spirit. And we just want to kind of highlight that because it is unusual. Not every church is so intentional about this. And we want to encourage you that this is something which is so vital so important if you want to see those you love, those wherever you live, work, learn, or play, people dear to you, love to see them come to know Jesus, we have to do it in the power of God's Spirit. So that's what we want to talk about today, is just how do we press into the Spirit and how do we, we allow the Spirit to move through us wherever we are, where, where, where Alex said, where we live, where we work, where we learn, where we play, all those different places we find ourselves in. The Holy Spirit is wanting to work in and through us. And of course, it's not by accident that we are in most of those places. Either the Lord has strategically put us there, or he is allowing us to be there for a season. So if you think of all those places where you are, so where you go to work, maybe you're at school, maybe um, it's your neighborhood, maybe it's you go to the gym, or with with your kids at soccer, or wherever it is, all those different places... God wants to use you, and it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us to empower us for witness. I think we're going to come on to that in a few minutes. But it's, uh, yeah, how can we press in? How can we um, press in and say, Lord, you've put us in these places or allowed us to be here. Why? What is it that you've got for us? And I think to keep going back to the Lord and asking him that question could be really helpful and powerful. And today we, we think about mums, mums if you're British or mothers or whatever, but um, those people who give life who nurture life. But of course, that's, it's not just the role of mums who need to be doing that. That is the role for all of us. If Jesus is the one who brings life in all its fullness, we, uh, and we have the Spirit living in us, then we ought to bring, be life bringers into all of those situations that we find ourselves. So how can we do that? How can we be, be bringers and nurturers of life? Okay, we're going to read the Bible. So if you want to get your Bibles out or on your phone, and we're going to be in John's Gospel, we're going to read two uh, sections. The first bit's from John chapter 7, and then we're going to jump to John 20. 
So I'll just let you turn that up, open it up. So it's going to be in John chapter 7. And these are some words of Jesus. So we're going to be John 7, 37 is where we're going to start. So listen to this. Just introduce this, and this is Jesus speaking. John 7, 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And then we're going to flip forward to John 20. And this is a resurrection experience, uh, encounter. So John 20, and we're going to be at verse 19. Is that right? Verse Verse 18, sorry. 19, I'll get it right. Uh, Here we go. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So let's just pull a couple of things out of those two passages, and then we're going to apply them for you. So in the John 7 one, if you just flick back there, have it open in front of you for a moment. Um, When we hear these words of Jesus, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink, Uh, Jesus is saying to us, it's it's this beautiful invitation. If you have a desire for fullness of life, if you are thirsty, if you're hungry, if you are, if you want to see more of God in your life, if you want to be used by Jesus, then he loves to do that. He would love to come and fill you with his presence. He wants to pour into you. He wants to pour into you his goodness and his life and his love. He wants to give these things to you as a gift. All you have to do is ask. You can't earn it. You're definitely not going to be good enough to do this. Uh, you, it's not a reward. It's a gift. And God loves to give of himself to us. But here's then this extra bit that comes on top of it. Because then Jesus says, not only am I going to give you these streams of living my life into you, but more than that, this then I'm going to work through you and pour through you to impact others. So he says that line about streams of living water, rivers of, of the water of life will flow through us out into the world. So not just is God's goodness going to come into your life, which if you're hungry for, he wants to do. But then as a result, he's going to flow through you to your workplace or to your neighborhood or or to your family or to your school or wherever it is that God takes you. He is going to use you. He's going to flow through you by his Holy Spirit. And it's this most incredible gift that God, I mean, think about it, God, who is the creator of absolutely everything, he is eternal, he's everlasting, he knows everything, he's all-powerful, and yet somehow by his spirit, he comes to live inside each one of us without violating our free will. Like, how on earth does that happen? I mean, it's extraordinary when you think about it. And he says, as a result of him living in us by his spirit, he's going to overflow and you will be a person, you will be a woman or a man or a girl or a boy. Wherever you go, you will bring the life of God. You will bring the goodness of God. Think about the difference that your workplace would be if the life of God was fully evident there. 
How different would your street look, your apartment, your home look, the, the, where you live, if the goodness and the love and the kindness of God was overflowing into everyone's lives? That's the vision of the kingdom of God. That's what God wants to do through you and me. And we're very ordinary people, but God can do that again and again. It's like we are freedom bringers. We are life releasers everywhere we go. Now, we want to illustrate this for you. So uh, we are English, as you might have noticed, and um, one of the things about the English is we love our gardens. Uh, and uh, by the way, they're not called yards. Yards are what farmers have where they park their tractors. We call them gardens, and you grow things. So we're just going to show you how gardens work for us. So we've got a photo, which is going to appear, and it is, uh, there we go. So when we moved into our home, it, some flippers had had it, and this is what they thought of as a garden. They'd, they'd chuck some turf down and, and put a few plants in, and we're like, this is rubbish. This isn't any good at all. So we had to upgrade. We thought, we need to have water. You need to have different textures. You need sitting and dining and different plants. So second slide, here's what it's become now. Doesn't that look nice, you see? And that's a, and, and that's a place of blessing. We love being in there. It's very peaceful and restful where we are. Um, but it's not just for us. This beautiful garden is actually something which for us we see, we see our home as a base of missions, a place of operations, so we can be missionaries for Jesus. So the next slide shows you a photo of this garden being used um, for a house church. And so there's people there and, and having a great time enjoying the space and being in that. So take that down if you want to. And so one of the things about gardens is this, um, that um, God, so that's a great illustration of what God wants to do. He wants to take something that's very plain, and through us, he's going to make it something more interesting. But more than that, he's going to make it a place of ministry. Isn't it wonderful that this great illustration is something that you are a part of? You're part of a church that's named Garden Church. You are meant to be people who do that, whether it's literally or metaphorically, all right, take it as an image, in your school or in your workplace or in with your with your with your in-laws even I mean wherever you want to go uh, you can be that bringer of life you can bring transformation and it's not just that you get benefit from it but so that others get benefit from it through you and then if you go to the second passage we were looking at in John chapter 20 and Jesus takes us on a bit further and he's very clear in these verses that um, as he was sent by the father so we in turn are sent by him. We're sent by the Father out into this world. And the way we go out into the world is we are to demonstrate and to declare the kingdom of God. It's demonstration and declaration. And as we do that, the, the, we will bring the life of God to all around us. We'll bring the streams of living water. We will plant the garden of life. So we are the ones who are, who are equipped to do that. And he says, the way you're going to do this is we have to be filled with God's Spirit. As we heard Julian Adams speak last week about this, we have to be filled with God's Spirit. You cannot do it under your own steam. You cannot transform your workplace. You cannot transform your family of origin. You cannot transform your neighborhood. Uh, you can't do it under your own strength. You need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promises him in this resurrection experience that as a result of his resurrection, he now pours out his Spirit into you and to me, and therefore we go. So it's interesting, he links together this concept of being sent, of us going, and it's tied intimately to being filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to be an effective witness for Jesus, you have to be filled with God's Spirit. You can't do the two things apart. And being filled with the Spirit is not just to have a Christian bless me party. We're filled with the Spirit so that we might go. It's like these two things feed off each other the whole time. 
Okay, so we have three practical steps. I'm all about the practicalities, but okay, we hear this stuff. How, how does it work in our everyday life and stuff? So we've got three practical steps that you can take this week. So the first one is listen to the Spirit. The second one is um, be, go with bold intentionality. And the third one is ask, can I pray for you? The first one, listen to the Spirit. There's an interesting passage, John 5, uh, 19. It says the Son can only do... Um, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. So I find that a really interesting insight into how Jesus operated. So basically, he's got his eyes on the father. He's looking at what the father is doing. And it says he can only do what he sees the father doing. So I think we ought to try and copy that. And we ought to be saying, okay, God, what are you doing? In all these situations we find ourselves in, God, what are you doing here? What is my role to accompany you in what you're doing here? So I've got a story of a couple of years ago. uh, We we needed to do some planning, and we thought to make it fun, let's go out for brunch. So we we had our dog with us then, and we walked down the street to uh, a cafe, and we sat outside and ordered our brunch. And um, there was a a, a girl on the table next to us, and she started chatting, and I'm in sort of focus mode. Okay, this is supposed to be our planning. I'm a little bit abrupt with her. I'm not super friendly. Alex was much nicer. You were very, you you were more engaging, (laughs) obviously. But uh, but anyway, I'm sort of, you know, slightly tolerating her, which sounds terrible. Anyway, but she's talking about the dog. You've got such a cute dog, da, da, da. And then, oh, what do you do? And the topic of God comes up and she says, oh, my, my grandmother had such a profound influence on me. And at some point in the conversation, God actually managed to get my attention to say, I'm doing something here. Forget your schedule. Forget all your plans. This planning meeting is not going to happen because you need to pay attention to what is happening in this girl's life. And so I thought, okay, get myself together. And um, so we, we, just, we just talked, and she was just so open. And towards the end of the conversation, we'd finished our brunch and everything, and I said, I'd love to pray blessing on you. Would that be okay? She's like, sure. So I sort of sidled over to her table, and I just pray blessing over her. And while I'm doing that, Alex is listening to the Holy Spirit, and he gets a prophetic word for her and shares that with her. And she's just, she's just blown away, and she's saying, I'd love to exchange numbers. Is that okay? So we exchange numbers. And we're walking home, and on the way home, Alex says, you ought to uh, reach out to her, t- text her, and say, such a good, so lovely to meet you today. If you ever want to pray or read the Bible together, I'd love to do that. So by the way, always get other people involved because they can give you good ideas and prompts if you, you miss it or whatever. So I did. I texted her, and she replied pretty much straight away and said, I'd love that. So the next day, or pretty soon after, we meet up. She comes to our home, which is pretty brave of her to come to a stranger's home. And we read um, a bit of Genesis together and just about the creation of the world and how God says this is good. And she is just, I, maybe she'd never heard it before, I don't know, but she's saying, this is really good. She said, I've got a friend who's really struggling in life right now. He really needs to hear this. Can I share it with him? And I'm going, sure. However, it's going to be more effective if you come from a place of relationship with Jesus and if you have him living in your life and making that difference in your life. So I said, would you like to pray and ask Jesus into your life? And she's going, sure. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my goodness, evangelism's supposed to be harder than this. So <laughs> I mean, she's just dropping into my lap. It was just one of those amazing God things. 
Anyway, so, so I did, we prayed this prayer and she gave her life to Jesus. I mean, I never forget the look on her face as she looked up and she, her eyes were just shining and she was full of life and just light. the picture on her face was so different to what it had been a few moments before, you know, when we were just talking about stuff. But when she had Jesus and the Holy Spirit in her, this life shone from within her. But the point I want to make is that I almost missed it. I was this close to missing it because I was so concentrated and focused on what I wanted to do. So be aware, pay attention. What is the Spirit saying in these different situations so that if he's moving, uh, he's got you there for that specific purpose so that he can use you. He doesn't need to use any of us. And for some crazy reason, he chooses to use each one of us. So actually, I wanted to uh, make a quick detour and comment on that because I mentioned, Alex, that you had a word for her. And that's something that you do a lot with all sorts of people. So waiters, you know, waitstaff in restaurants, neighbours, family members, you, you have loads of words for people and that can be quite impactful. So do you want to share what that looks like? Because I think in evangelism, that can be so powerful. Mm. Okay, so what I'd say is... Um, so I find that God often speaks to me through little pictures or images in my mind's eye. Uh, so the way I, th- I describe it is like sanctified imagination. So often people go, what's that actually look like? Okay, so w- can we do a three-second exercise? I'm going to show you what this looks like, all right? So um, this is not prophecy. This is, just, this is just showing you the bit of the brain where God can speak. So what I want you to do is close your eyes. Everyone close your eyes and just bring to mind what your front door looks like. So in your, in your mind, what's just, can you see your front door? All right, you can open your eyes again. That's the bit of your brain where, where God speaks when people talk about having pictures or having images from God. And it, so what I find is uh, that's, there's, there's all sorts of ways God speaks, but that's one of the most common ways I find works for me. And so God will show me things about a person or about a situation in that place. And it feels very hesitant. I think we think when God speaks, it's going to be, this is God, I'm speaking. And it's surround sound and technicolor. And normally it's not like that. Normally you're not sure. Normally you're thinking, that's probably me. I had cheese last night. It's probably that, you know. Um, And you're hesitant and you think, and then you're thinking, they're going to think I'm a religious nutcase and all these things. And so you're never going to be totally certain. But what I've just found is you have to practice. You have to learn to lean into these things. And it is risk, exactly. And you will learn learn that God can use you and speak to you through these ways. So that's just a kind of illustration of how that works. Sure. And so, I mean, it's the last week we had Julian Adams in, you know, talking about how we hear God's voice, which is amazing. What a privilege that God speaks to us, that we can catch what he's saying. But of course, it's not just for us. So it's for other believers, but it's for non-believers. And if we can capture the heart of God for those people around us and step out in risk, take that risk, step out in boldness and actually share it with them, we've done that in various different situations and it's powerful. So if you have that gift of prophecy, just just say, hey, sometimes God speaks to me. I, I have the sense of something that he might be saying, would it be okay if I just share this picture I've got, this word I've got, and just see what happens. And, um, but anyway, um, so when you learn to lean in and uh, obey those Holy Spirit nudges of him saying, you need to share this, or you need to speak to this person, or you need to pray with this person, then we see amazing things happen. So we need to lean into the Spirit. What is he saying? What is he doing? And uh, I think if we can start learning to listen to the Holy Spirit in our place of mission, we're going to be so much more effective. So ask God what he's up to, 
pause, listen, pay attention. At times, you're not going to sense anything, and that's absolutely fine. But at times, you will. So put yourself in that position. If God's doing something and wants to use you in that moment, you are ready and available. And I think some of this sort of hearing God's voice and those nudges and stuff comes to comes down to practicing in the sort of mundane moments of, you know, what am I going to listen to? What podcast or what music am I going to listen to? Or which route should I take to wherever I'm going? And ask God to guide you even in those moments that do not matter so that you create familiarity with what voice, uh, what God's voice looks like or sounds like or whatever. And when he's prompting you so that when you're in those moments that do matter, you're more familiar with his voice. You're more ready to be obedient to what he's saying in those moments. So I think basically in each situation, we need to pause and we need to listen to the spirit. All right. So the first one was listen to the spirit. Second uh, little subheading is go with bold intentionality. Uh, for the benefit of the guys at the back, I'm not going to use the slides. All right. So I'm going to leave those for today. Um, so go with bold intentionality. Here's the tension that happens. Um, I think uh, the tension that we live in is this. Uh, we want to follow Jesus, but at the same time, we don't want to be rejected for following Jesus. Okay, do you understand that? Anyone here ever resonate with that? Okay, okay great. Because uh, so, I definitely feel like that a lot of the time. And what happens is fear comes in. Fear comes in. You think about talking to your neighbors or your friend about Jesus. Maybe you're having a drink with a couple of mates and you're hanging out. And there could, you could go in a spiritual direction in the conversation. You have that opportunity. And, but what in your head you hear is, oh, no, they're going to think I'm a religious nutcase. Oh, no, they're going to think I'm a Bible basher. Oh, no, they're going to think, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get them or I'm trying to sell them a Ponzi scheme or something like that. And um, that, that's the fear that comes in. And I think what we have to learn to do is recognize that that is a lie of the enemy. All right. I, we have actually found, again, and we have, we've lived in different places, uh, as we talked about, and different situations. We've had loads of these conversations. And what we find is that again and again, people don't treat us like that. Because in the context of relationship, in the context of coming with a heart of love and care and compassion, people actually are very happy to have these spiritual conversations. What we found is that um, most people actually are themselves asking spiritual questions. People do want to talk about these things. Now, you don't just kind of get your Bible and go whack over their head like that. All right. So it's not that. But if you come from this place of just being full of kindness and love for that person, that comes across in the context of a normal conversation, whether it's a, longer, oh, sorry, a, a long-term ongoing relationship or just a passing relationship. Um, and I think when you speak like that to people, when you come from that place, you do get a chance to have spiritual conversations. And we've seen this happen so many times. Um, but I think the key thing is for us is we have to learn to be both bold and intentional. We have to be bold and intentional. So boldness is one of the things that you see in the New Testament that the early church prays for. So I love the story in Acts chapter 4, where Peter and John are locked up in prison for proclaiming about Jesus. And then they get released and they go back to the other disciples and have this crazy prayer meeting. And they pray for the very thing. They pray for more of the very thing that's just got them into trouble. So they pray for more of God's boldness. And God, would you use us more to tell more people about Jesus? And then it has this great line. Remember, I think it's Acts 4.31, where it says that, the whole, that they pray for boldness. It says the Holy Spirit came, shook the building where they were. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they proclaimed the word of Jesus, the word of God, with boldness. We are meant to be bold. 
We are meant to be bold and sharing our faith. Again, that doesn't mean to be crass or insensitive, but it does mean for most of us the issue is, okay, I'm going to say this kindly, for most of us the issue is not that we're talking too much about Jesus. I'm just going to be honest. Okay, there might be like two of you, you're doing it too much. But the rest of us, <laughs> the rest of us, um, the rest of us, we're not doing enough. I'm just going to be honest. People aren't going to catch Jesus purely by osmosis. All right. They will catch the spirit of Jesus through us, yes. But you do have to open your mouth and talk about him. All right. And so we need to be willing to seize those moments. Now, you can do it kindly. You can do it generously. You can do it, you know, sensitively and wisely. But we do need to take the risk. There is no risk-free Christianity. All right. You signed up the wrong deal. And those of you here today and you're thinking about Jesus, maybe a friend dragged you along because it's Mother's Day. Here's the deal. If you do become a follower of Jesus, this is part of what it is. Jesus is going to fill you with his spirit if you follow him, but also he's going to send you out to represent him. Which is, which is an honor, but it's also a responsibility as well. Let me give you an illustration of how that works. So I play soccer or football, as it's known in the rest of the world and in heaven, because it involves a foot and a ball. <laughs> anyway, you know, uh, we're missionaries to all y'all, so, um, so that's how it works. So I play soccer and I play a couple of times a week, most of the time, uh, in... Um, in the parks uh, there at Hartwell Park and have a great time doing it. And so um, it's quite a, it's a very international crowd. Uh, one of the games I play is I'm the only angler that everyone else is Hispanic. So even though I never learned Spanish, I know lots of Spanish words for soccer and lots of naughty Spanish words. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, but then there's uh, one of the groups I play with, there's an, uh, um, one of the guys I got to know really well is Italian, Paolo. And um, he's quite the character, very extroverted, and we banter and talk quite a lot. Got on really well. I've talked about lots of stuff. And one day we were playing, and he sits down near the end. He goes and sits off at the sidelines. And again, it's one of those Holy Spirit moments. I sense the Spirit draw my attention to that in particular. And so even though I didn't want to, I felt like <laughs> I'll stop. And I walked over, and I say, hey, hey, what's the matter? What's going on? He goes, my back is really painful. It's, it's so playing up. And I remember he's had back issues in the past. And so I have that Holy Spirit dig in the ribs, like, are you going to pray for him? And I'm like, I don't really want to, you know, but because um, he's clearly not a Christian by his, where he talks about his lifestyle and the language that he uses, all right? And so, I, but I go, um, I go, Pat, this might sound crazy, but I think Jesus would like to heal you. I'm like, gosh, what have I just said? You know? <laughs> um, and he looks at me and, um, and I say, can I pray? And he doesn't, he doesn't say a word, which is very unusual for him. And I say, oh, come on, Paolo, you're Italian. You must be up for a bit of Jesus something. And he goes, all right then. And like that, all right then. And so um, I kind of put a hand on his back like this. And I say, dear Jesus, thank you that you love Paolo. Please really heal his back so we can carry on playing soccer. Amen. And I just step away like this. And I look at him and he looks at me. I go, go on, then test it out. Because you have to make people test it when you heal it. You're right. So he kind of starts stretching. And he does all these elaborate stretches for like 10, 20, 40, 50 seconds. And then he looks at me and goes, it's completely better. And I go, oh, isn't that cool? He says, you know what? When you put your hand on me, I felt this heat go up and down my spine. And so I try to look nonchalant. And I go, um, Okay, well, sometimes what we find is when the Holy Spirit comes on people, you get heat when healing's happening. And he goes, oh, right, yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> and um, so anyway, we, we finish off the game. And then uh, uh, when the game wraps up, I'm walking off the field. And I may be like 10, 15 yards ahead of him. He, I'm with a bunch of guys. He's with another little knot of guys. And so we're walking off. And he, he's, he yells. He goes, hey, Alex. And I turn around and say, what? And he goes, my back's still better. 
And all the other guys now go, what do you mean this back's to What happened? What's, what, what did you do to his back? And he goes, he said, he said this, he said, um, my back started being really painful and playing up and Alex did some Jesus juju on my back. <laughs> and it's better. So, by the way, at, to tell the story, at that moment, you don't correct the theology, all right? You're just like, okay, that's okay. Okay. And then as a result, we've had loads and loads of God conversations with guys. We've prayed with people about jobs, and so the boys often go with me. And it's become a real place of mission for us and a place of fun. So I want, but I want to encourage you, you have to step in with boldness. We have to be willing to be bold. We have to take that risk of being rejected. You have to take that risk, or you are not going to have the impact that Jesus wants you to have. The third thing we want to say is ask, can I pray for you? So we've got a wonderful example there. But one of the things that we love about the Garden Church is that people are hungry for the presence of God. And how often, like this morning, we felt God's presence. And it's amazing, you know, to come into that place where, you know, you just encounter Jesus. But there's a world out there that is dying to encounter the presence of Jesus. And we are the ones who are commissioned to go and take his presence into all of those different places. And we have found, through lots of trial and error over many years, one of the best ways of taking the presence of Jesus into where you live, work, learn, play, is by asking, can I pray for you? So we have done it over and over again. So um, we, another story, um, in our home, on our property, we've got a little back house. And for a season, we were doing Airbnb. And we had this woman who came to stay, and she was visiting her daughter just down the road. And um, I just chit-chat with her as she comes and goes if I see her. And she, she, was, she came back one day. She's obviously in pain just about her daughter, just something's going wrong. And she sort of shares a little bit. And everything in me, my mother's heart is sort of reaching out to her mother's heart. And I just wanted to pray, but I'm thinking, you know, what about the professional thing? She's a paying guest. I thought, I'm just going to go for it. So I just said, okay, I, I don't want to overstep the bounds of professional whatever, but I just want to pray for you and your daughter right now would that be okay? And she's like, honey, I'm from the South. We're always praying. (laughs) And she just grabbed my hands. And so we prayed. It was just so funny. And, um, but then um, a few weeks later, when she next came back into town, she, she searched us out and she deliberately chose to stay in our place. And then she was the one to initiate next time. She said, can we pray for my daughter again? So, uh, I mean, so, I mean, we have found that as we've stepped out and done this, I used to hate doing this. I'm a people pleaser and I used to hate, you know, the fear of rejection or whatever it is. But over the years, as I've got confident, I've stepped out in boldness and I love this. It is an honour and a privilege because when you pray with people, you are ushering them into the presence of God. It says, when two or three people are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And the number of times when we pray with people, you know, people are in tears or um, people just have a God encounter. And it's such a privilege to be the person who ushers them into the presence of Jesus. And we were just chatting last week with a neighbor who we'd had the opportunity to pray for. And we were just checking in with her. And her, I've no idea where she is spiritually. But she had been overcome when I prayed for her uh, foot. And she, she, she looked as though she was about to run into the house and burst. Well, she did run into the house. She looked as though she was about to burst into tears. And we were just following up with her. And she said her comment was, prayer is powerful. 
And I think it wasn't just the fact of whether she had or hadn't been healed, but I think it was she'd encountered Jesus and something had happened. And that, so we have those experiences again and again, and we would encourage you to step into those experiences to offer to pray for people. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, I think it's good. You're oh, good. so, yeah, so blessing, difficulty. So anytime somebody has a baby or a new job or a new home, I'd love to pray blessing. We've never been turned down for that. And then, uh, but difficulty as well. If someone's in physical pain, they're just hurt, hurting, stressed, whatever it is, I'd love to pray for you. Would that be okay? So just take any and every opportunity. You pray for the, one of the businesses behind our house, for the owner of the business, which then prospered. And just whatever opportunity you can find, just ask people if you can pray for them. And I bet you won't be turned down many times. In fact, this week, let's pray for an opportunity this week to pray with somebody. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church.